0: As we go on to the next part here, we we've looked at the faith of Mary and we looked at the courage of Joseph last week. If we were doing along in the Nativity story, um, they will they would they also weave in. If you haven't seen that movie yet, I would encourage you to do that. You can see this part. They do weave in the wise men um, in there. One thing I'm going to tell you about the wise men right off the bat, just so you've got it down, uh, we have them at the uh, at the at the Nativity. But the wise men really never do show up at the nativity. And we'll see that again tonight as we go along. But even in the movie, they keep them at the nativity. Um, I think they did that just mainly so that people could understand the aspects of that. But we want to look at the biblical aspect of what happened here in the hope of the wise men. And actually, the wise men time of the year wouldn't be Advent. It would be Epiphany. And uh, after Christmas time and uh, different things that way. But uh, we're going to look at the hope of the wise men um, as we do that. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 2 is going to be our, our point there, as, as Wayne read so well tonight, uh, the precious Word of God, um, where we talk about the wise men that came to see, see the Christ child and the things that way. So we start out um, with things that way in the weeks that lead up to Christmas. If you could measure hope this time of year with some kind of instrument, Um, like a weather balloon, maybe, you'd find that the atmosphere around us is crackling with hope. Now, it's crackling with a lot of other things. Um, Tonight, it's crackling with uh, raindrops that are turning to ice, maybe. Who knows with that part of things. But uh, there's a lot of hope for people this time of the year (laughs) Um, with that way. There's a lot of kids that are filled with hope. Um, Back, I remember... um, Back a number of years ago, when there was all the Christmas catalogs, there's no Christmas catalogs anymore. Our kids used to circle everything in the Christmas catalog that they wanted, and they'd hand it to you. Now they just give you a list off of Amazon that has a bunch of different things. But there's a lot of things you can hope for over the years. I mean, I hope you might hope for a a tickle me Elmo that's up there with things that way. So what I did today is I looked online to see what the top 50 gifts are for 2022. And the top one that was given in a couple of lists was a rechargeable hand warmer. I don't know exactly with things that way, but that's that way. And uh, there's things like the Nintendo Switch. And one of the top gift ones is this little uh, arty um, educational robot or whatever. But I'm guessing that a lot of you might be more along the wish of the Lexus up in the corner, right? Um, There's a lot of hope that people have. But it might gear around of a, lot of, a lot of different things that way. And uh, the kind of hope that's there for that is this, this wishful hope um, that's sometime fulfilled. And sometimes it's not because we don't always get what we desire in that. And, and there are times where we get disappointed in that way. Um, when you think about things too, and by the way, this is a season of hope. D- don't get me wrong. Christmas is a season of hope. When we look at the true meaning of Christmas and the true meaning of hope, which we're going to look at tonight along the way, too. But, you know, New Year's is also a season of hope. But that kind of hope is usually a little less trivial. I I hope I can keep my job this year. I hope I beat my cancer this year. (laughs) Or I hope we can get pregnant this year. (laughs) I didn't say that for us, by the way. (laughs) You know. You shouldn't have had that line in there, right? Um but there's hope, even the sound of that word can lift a spirit for somebody when they're down. Sometimes it's just hope that keeps a person going in life <laughs> um when you seem like you're going nowhere or maybe even going the wrong direction. Hope gives you something to cling to. <laughs> when you've lost your job or lost your health or someone you, you love, you've lost. And hope can, can serve to bring a spark back that there will be better things tomorrow. Hope is like having an anchor in the future. And you see, the best kind of hope that we can have is a hope that is the biblical hope. It's a hope that is rooted in certainty. See, the hope that's talked about in Scripture is not just a hope so. It's a sure and it's a living hope. And that's what we need to remember. The hope that is in Scripture is based upon the absolute certainty and the absolute truth. And so we can have that utter confidence. That what God has promised will happen. We can be sure that Jesus Christ did come. We can be sure that He will come again. (laughs) We can be sure that He did come and die on the cross for you and me. And we can be sure that it brings forgiveness to us. Those are things... That are true hope. <laughs> it's the kind of hope that the wise men actually had in the nativity story. The hope of the wise men was based on what God had promised. And since God always fulfills his promises. They could look forward to that absolute hope as well. But what were the wise men hoping to find when they traveled. All the way to Bethlehem on that first Christmas season. Or. Or actually within those two years after Christmas sometime. They were hoping to find the king. The king. And maybe they were hoping in some ways to find a king that would bring an end to war and suffering and injustice. And they were hoping to find a king who would bring everlasting love and joy and peace to the world. And it's not just a maybe because they would find the one who could bring that peace. As well. Not a peace that maybe would happen within the lifetimes of themselves, but we know the peace that Christ brought. And so we have that best kind of hope. And that hope is always inextricably tied to Jesus Christ. If we believe in Him, we have that hope, that certainty of eternal life. You can know that you'll have eternal life. That's what the Bible tells us. And it's a lesson that's illustrated for us by the wise men or maybe what we call them is the magi, just so you keep that in mind, who visited Jesus when he was a child. And the magi arrive in Jerusalem after a relatively long and expensive and difficult journey. But what brought them to Jerusalem was not a wish but it was a certainty <laughs> they were certain that the king of the Jews had been born and they had come to worship him so the first thing we want to note here in that regard the wise men teach us that God is the source of hope <laughs> and you read there in those first two verses that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king behold there came wise men from the east in Jerusalem. To Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. (laughs) We've come to worship him. The Magi evidently were God-fearing Gentiles who were looking forward to the coming of the Jewish Messiah. Much of what has been written about the Magi is based upon speculation. It's based upon traditions that may have no basis in fact. For example, they were not kings. Just so you know that. It's still a beautiful song though, isn't it? We three kings of Orient are. But rather what they were most likely was advisors to the kings. Here are some of the things we need to know about the Magi. Who were these guys? and I almost when i said that i almost thought of the three wise guys you know we make jokes about that at christmas time some things and we're not talking the three stooges either along those lines and by the way was it just 3 we're not for sure on that part it could have been could have been many more why do we often think it's 3 the three gifts that's why we often equate it with it it might have been more than 3 just so you know that and keep that in mind. <laughs> right? The magi were either from Persia or Babylon. Okay? The word magi comes from the Greek word Magoi, which in turn is a Persian word for a select set of priests. These priests function as the religious, the civil, the political counsel to the kings of Medes, Media and Persia. And in the time their power grew to the extent that they become They became what was often referred to as the king makers. Their duty included the election of the kings that would rule. Their education included a mix of astronomy, astrology, science, and religion. Yes, you heard me say astrology in there with things. They studied the stars and the influence of the stars on the lives and the destinies of people and their nations. They were interpreters of dreams as Daniel and his friends were in the book of Daniel. And if you remember Daniel, when they were brought to Babylon, they became a part of the wise men and the groups that were used as counselors and used as those that would give advice. And you remember that Daniel was an interpreter of dreams, that God had given him that ability. Actually, it was God who interpreted the dreams. Daniel was able to get those answers. <laughs> These wise men most likely had learned of God primarily through the prophet Daniel. As a young man, Daniel had been taken, as we know, to, as a prisoner of war. But because of his faith in God, he had risen to become an advisor to the king of Babylon. He later continued in that role to the king of Persia, the Medes and Persians, King Darius. Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were probably called Magi. (laughs) And one of the titles to Daniel that was given to him that we read of is Rab Mag, the chief of the Magi. (laughs) Some commentators say that the Magi were astrologers and that God therefore used astrology at least to start them on their journey. But that is probably not the truth. Given their obedience to God, Daniel and his fellow Israelites would not have been involved in astrology. Their wisdom came from God himself. They had such a powerful influence on the Persian culture that centuries later, these wise men believed perhaps in the God of Israel as well. <laughs> and were waiting for the coming of the Jewish king. Now, how did they know that the king of the Jews was coming? Daniel told them. Well, Let me get that right. God actually told them through Daniel and through the prophecies that Daniel made. They were looking forward to the coming of the king of Jews because God told the world that he was coming. And he spoke through the prophet Daniel to do that. told the world that the king, the Messiah, the anointed one... <laughs> There's only one passage, and only one in the whole of Bible that foretells the actual time of the Messiah's first coming. The passage is Daniel 9:24 through 26. And the angel Gabriel, the same angel who visited Mary, <laughs> told Daniel that the king would come 483 years after <laughs> a decree was issued to rebuild Jerusalem. And given Daniel's position as a chief advisor in the Persian court, it seems likely that he told the rest of the advisory council as well about this prophecy. And no doubt the Magi had studied the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And though through this they came into contact with the Messianic hope. And the Persian king Artaxerxes was the one who issued the decree to rebuild Jerusalem on the date that we call now March 5th 444 B.C. And by calculating the years that had passed since the issue of the decree, the Magi were able to estimate around what time the coming of the Anointed One would draw near. And it's significant that while the Magi had done the math, they were looking for the coming of the King. The Jewish religious leaders had not done the math. And they were so oblivious to the fact that the king of the Jews had been born in obscurity just a few miles away from them. Now, what did God use to guide these magi? I know what the obvious answer you're going to say right away is the star, right? God sent them this supernatural signal that confirmed the arrival of Jesus, this unique star. Now, there's a lot of different thoughts to this star. And how this fits. But God used a supernatural star to start the Magi on their journey. By the way, Daniel's prophecy came true almost to the day. As Gabriel had prophesied, 483 years after the decree was issued, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and allowed the crowds to acclaim him as the anointed one. Regardless of whether God used an existing astronomical phenomenon or created one for the occasion with regards to the star, its function on behalf of the Magi was supernatural and it announced the birth of the king. Now if you watch the movie, The Nativity Story, they use it rather uniquely in how they find the star. And they see this and they have three things coming together. And there's a possibility that that could very well have been What brought this about? And I'm not going to go into all the different possibilities that that, that are that way. But we're again not sure exactly how the, the star put the star together for the birth of Jesus. Perhaps in the reading of the Greek Old Testament came the prophecy of Balaam. There's a cryptic reference in Numbers 24 verse 17 that says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh there shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And that's perhaps where they took some of those things from. But again, the star may easily have been some sort of supernatural creation of God too. The whole narrative of the birth of Jesus is accompanied by supernatural phenomena as we have looked at already. Um, the appearance of angels, angels, um, or it may have been that this star was a natural phenomenon that God put at the right time. Contrary though to the way that um, is usually portrayed, the star didn't lead them by moving them across the sky. <laughs> okay, when we read things here, we do read about the star. <laughs> And as I look at things, I don't see that they followed the star on the journey. (laughs) That's not what the text says. The star appeared in the east and then it evidently disappeared and reappeared later when they were searching exactly where Jesus was. Now, one example that's a possibility here in that case, um, not that it is, would be something called a recurring nova. It could show itself. And then it goes out for a bit and then it re-shows itself later on. Whether that's the case or not from a natural standpoint or the supernatural, I don't know. However, God used the star to signal the Magi that the king had been born. The hope of the Magi was strong enough to compel them to take this costly and difficult journey to find him. The journey might have covered about a thousand miles could have taken them four to five months. And it wasn't necessary for the star to lead them to Jerusalem. Since they were looking for the king of the Jews, they naturally came to the Jewish capital city. In order to emphasize that Jesus was born of the royal line of David... Matthew points out that he was born in David's hometown of Bethlehem in Judea, which was just a few miles from Jerusalem. So when they arrived, the Magi, when the Magi arrived, it upset the whole city of Jerusalem. Given their status, the Magi probably traveled with an escort of cavalry, maybe, even a large entourage. And while they may have used camels to carry their luggage, the Magi probably rode on horses, most likely, at that time. Although it does look nice for camels, doesn't it? And it's fun to dress little kids up in camels. (laughs) But their arrival in Jerusalem would have created quite a stir. (laughs) But it was their question that disturbed the city even more. Herod and all Jerusalem was disturbed by the Magi's quest. Look at there in verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. That's what it says. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ would be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem, in Judea. For this is what the prophet has written. And he quotes, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people, Israel. Now, I want to tell you something about Herod. Herod the Great had not been born king of the Jews and was not even a Jew himself. He had been appointed king by the Roman Senate in 40 B.C. He was a cruel and dangerous man who killed everyone around him who threatened his position as king. By the way, he also built a lot of wonderful things. But he would kill those... he killed three of his own sons. He killed his favorite wife, Miriam. He, he killed his mother-in-law, he killed his brother-in-law. he had his uncle killed. he killed up to 300 court officers who protected the execution of his two of his sons. Herod was disturbed. At the Magi's question, because he didn't want any rival for the throne. <laughs> All of Israel is disturbed because when Herod was disturbed, he disturbed everybody around him. <laughs> and they knew that there was going to be trouble. So, what does Herod do? He consults the Jewish scholars, and the religious scholars knew the prophecy. They knew about Micah chapter 5, verse 2. By the way, back in those days, they didn't have them listed. Chapter and verse. Chapter and verse has come along way later so that we've got them in order. But Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. It's amazing that even after the religious leaders told Herod of the prophecy, none of them bothered to accompany the Magi to go find the child. It was only a journey of 4 to 5 miles to Bethlehem. It reveals their spiritual deadness in contrast to that of the magi or their fear of Herod themselves. Herod investigated the time of the stars appearing in order to estimate how old the child was. In Matthew chapter 2 verse 7, in verse 8 there, you see it. Herod called the Magi secretly. And he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He's gauging and figuring out when the child had been born. And he sends them to Bethlehem. And do you, do you see what he says to them? I know you know this. Go and make careful search. Go find the child. And as soon as you find him. Report to me because I want to go worship Him. How many of you believe Herod at this point? Herod found out the exact time and he sent the sent the Magi and he lied to them as we find out later. And we know that he's doing that. He didn't want to go worship. He wanted to kill the rival. God is the source of hope. And God was the source of hope for the Magi. The prophecy of Daniel, the star that was seen, the Bible was written by God, given to us by the Holy Spirit as it moved men to write His Word. And it was there to guide us into a relationship with Him. Just as it was there to guide the Magi Who had studied God's word. To guide them to the Christ child. One thing that the Bible clearly declares is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the hope of all people. He is the one that would bring forgiveness. He is the one that would bring salvation. As we read, Mary and Joseph were told to name the child Jesus. Jesus is that fulfillment. And we read in those next verses this wonderful part. That after they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. That's what gives me that sense that it must have reappeared. They saw the star again and it led them. And on coming to the house... Did you read what it said? Coming to the house. We aren't at the manger anymore. They saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshipped him and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense or frankincense and of myrrh. The star guided the Magi, first of all, we see to Jesus' house. Like I said, Bethlehem is about four miles south of Jerusalem And up until now, the star had led the Magi from the east to the west to to come to Jerusalem. And now it seems like it took a left turn and it headed south again. Well, actually, it's that sense that it reappears. And the Shekinah glory of God leads them to the child. I'm not sure how it did it. You know what they do in the movie? They take some license and they make it almost like a beam that just leads them right there. I don't know. But it's clear that it led them to the place. What is more likely as it became visible again is that it faded from visibility when they came to the house where Jesus and His family laid. And the Magi... Again, didn't find Jesus until uh, at least months after he had been born, for sure. Whether it was a little longer time or not. In um, those things, we're going to see that. But if you were to watch the movie, The Nativity Story, it shows the wise men arriving at the manger. <laughs> now again, I just want to reiterate to you that those that did the movie, and it might be a good point for you to talk to your children if you watch it, <laughs> To tell them when they really arrived. They do it to keep everything in that one, uh, the picture. They want to keep the viewers focused on the beauty of the whole narrative, perhaps. But what we do see here is very clearly the Magi worshiped the child with the gifts the gifts that foreshadowed the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They hadn't come to satisfy their curiosity. What was the whole reason that they came? To worship the child. To worship the king. To worship God. And then they present their gifts as an act of worship. The Greek word for presented here indicates that they made a whole offering to God. And the fact that they gave three gifts does not mean, like I said before, that there was just three wise men. There may have been more. There might have just been two. (laughs) But the three gifts foreshadow. Think of them again. And they do a wonderful job of this, by the way, in the movie. They do it right. They have each of the wise men speak as they give the gift to help explain The gold for His royalty. In the Scriptures, gold was that symbol for royalty. It signified the glory and the deity of God. And it thus was an appropriate gift to give the Son of God. Frankincense for His deity. This was a sweet incense that was used in connection with some of the offerings in the temple. It was the aroma from it that would rise in prayer to God. and then the myrrh for his humanity. I love the picture that comes here. And in his humanity, the myrrh is an embalming ointment. (laughs) And I think in the movie, the the wise man who gives this says, for the sacrifice. (laughs) I don't know if you've caught some of the Christmas songs that have come out, they catch it very well. In the cross, I mean, in in the stall, a cross he saw. In the manger is always that picture of the cross. That's why he came. The beauty of it, the harshness of what he would have to go through, but the beauty of it is the salvation that he brings and the fulfillment that he brings for you and me. And by the way, these gifts also had practical value for the family, didn't they? It it provided for them as the family would have to run to Egypt as the angel would warn them and and Joseph would take Mary and, and Jesus and go. But one of the things that we see here after this part is simply this. The Magi did not go back to Herod, did they? It says in verse 12, Having been warned in a dream, they did not go back to Herod. They returned to their country by another route. In the past, God has guided people through many different means. He's used His Word and a star to guide the Magi here. But now He used a dream to send them back home by a route that bypassed Herod. So as we summarize and we as we look at all of this... We see and we gain hope, don't we? When we look to the Christ child, when we look to Jesus this time of the year, <laughs> what are you hoping for for Christmas this year? What are you hoping for? A cell phone? Um, a new house? Maybe not a Lexus. Maybe a Porsche instead. What are you hoping for? God has more than hope for us, doesn't he? He. God wants us to believe in his son, Jesus Christ. God wants that message to go forth this Christmas time again. And God wants us to believe in that second coming, too, that second advent. And I love what Scripture says with regards to the hope that we have. It says in Hebrews chapter 6.19 that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. And when we read Scripture, when it comes to the hope, especially Peter notes it in his epistles, but especially in 1 Peter, he notes what that hope is. That hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That sure and living hope. And let me finish with these words tonight, just reading these verses again from 1 Peter chapter one, verses 3 through 5. And I can't tell you how many times I've shared these verses with people. Often when I meet with a family before we walk up the aisle and have a funeral, I share with them these verses because it brings back that truth. And it's a truth we can have at Christmas as well. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven. Excuse me. Kept in heaven. Okay, so this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's the hope we have. And may we go through this Christmas season, this Advent season again, and take a look at the wise men. You might have them up on the nativity, which is wonderful. Keep them up on the nativity so you can tell that story too. May we all go to the Christ child, to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You know, before the service started, um, Brandon and Mandy have their little guy with them tonight, out of the thing right now, but the little Curtis there, it's so fun to look into a baby this time of the year and to be reminded that Jesus became man. Talking to the sixth graders this morning, we talked about Mary and the fact that Jesus had to go through nine months in the womb. (laughs) But why did He do it? He did it for you and for me so that we could have life. The sure hope of the resurrection. Heavenly Father, thank You for these reminders. And uh, Lord, if I've messed up on something tonight... Get it out of the way and bring that focus back to You and that hope we have in You. Holy Spirit, use Your Word. Use the true story of the wise men that traveled. Use the story of the star, of the conversations with Herod. Use the truth of those gifts that were given to Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Lord, thank You. May we come to You tonight. May we come in that simple faith, believing and trusting. And may we walk out of here in that same way. Lord, I pray these things in in Your name and I pray that blessing upon each of us that we would know Your presence and know Your truth. Amen.